kind of put my attention outward and look at my environment and realize that, you know, that shit's just, it's not me. You know what I mean? Me is the one that can create things and produce things. All this other stuff is just baggage I've picked up over the years. So you got to just learn to ignore it. Welcome to the Scratch Your Own Itch Podcast, the show about the things we think about, but don't ever talk about. My name's Logan Tyler Nelson, and I'm your host. These conversations are about creating a life worth living, with a focus on sharing stories about battles in our heads. Topics range from depression, addiction, self-doubt, past traumas, and everyday compulsive thinking. And my hope is that the show will just shed some light on anyone in the dark that feels like they're alone in their daily struggles. Please take note that this show is not meant to be a replacement for a professional diagnosis or professional therapy. I am not a counselor or a therapist. My guest here today is Jeremy Ryan Slate, who has accomplished enormous amounts of success in his own podcast and business, GetFeatured.media. Speaking of being featured, Jeremy was featured on BuzzFeed.com as one of the most seven millennial influencers to follow in 2018, even though it's only 2017. He's a man to watch out for in the future. Fun facts about Jeremy include he deadlifts 635 pounds, squats 705 pounds, benches 425 pounds, and he only weighs 195 pounds. And he's a father to a family pig named Remington the Pig, as well as being a happy owner to one of the most distinctive laughs a person could ever listen to. So, Jeremy, your life is pretty much perfect on paper. Tell me about your childhood. Where'd you grow up? What did you like to do? Let's start from the beginning, man. Yeah, man. So I will say, first of all, I'm 175 pounds. So I guess that makes it sound like it's even cooler. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little bit leaner. I used to be a brick shit house a number of years ago, but uh, not really so much anymore. Um, I'm from a small town in northern New Jersey. Um, it is three eighths of a mile in size. Um, don't have a shopping center. Um, don't have a high school. Um, we have a great school, um, but there's not many other things there. Um, it's a small town where it used to be like a German immigrant town uh, many, many years ago. And all the trains that came from New Jersey used to go through this town. Uh, it's called Hamburg. Um, but now that there's no trains or anything else, there's, there's nothing there, man. Um, it's a very, very small town. It's one of those places where nobody really does anything. Nobody really goes anywhere. Both my parents finished high school, and that's kind of about it. Um, though my, my dad actually didn't finish. He got kicked out and got a GED later on and worked his way then through his company to being the VP of it, which is really cool and a cool accomplishment. But I was kind of, you know, I guess raised in a place where success wasn't really something you look for. It was kind of, you know, get hopefully a job you can stay at, make a little bit of money and, you know, survive. And it was really, really different. And, Going to, to grammar school for me, um, I went to the public school in that area. I was always a smart kid. I tested a uh, 151 IQ at 12, so I was always a really smart kid. And I used to finish my work in like a third of the time of everybody else. And because of that, my teachers were like, wow, okay. I used to shoot ketchup packets. I used to push things out windows. I used to trip teachers. All sorts of interesting things because I was bored by that other th two-thirds of time that I had left. So they said to my parents, okay, we're going to put him in the talented and gifted program. And what that really meant was that I was just given extra work to keep me busy. And me being me, I'm like, well, that's fucking stupid. I, I wasn't very happy with that whole situation. I'm like, so you're telling me that I'm going to sit here and just do extra work because you can't challenge me. That's, that's, a, that's a, a bit ridiculous. And I feel like that's actually one thing I've kept with me to this day of I hate busy work. So I'm always like, yeah, that, that's, that's fucking stupid. Um, so they said to my parents, you know, he's got ADHD. He can't sit still. He's chewing pencils. He's throwing things. 
So either you put them on Ritalin or, or one of those types of drugs, or you take them in a private school. And my parents were like, uh, we don't want to drug our kid. He's actually just smarter than you. Not really his problem. <laughs> so my parents, though, they couldn't afford it at the time. They put me in, um, in private school. And it was just kind of a way to really allow me to do more. But here's the thing, man. I, I, did you go to private school or did you go to public school? Logan? I went to public school. You went to public school. So when you're not like in the club in private school, like meaning you didn't start in kindergarten with these kids, they don't accept you because it's a very, very small, like enclosed type society. So I didn't fit in. I wasn't part of it. And because of that, I was bullied mercilessly. Um, I had my head stuck in toilets. I was tied up. I had all kinds of crazy stuff happen to me. Um, I even had shit thrown at me once. That was interesting. Um, a lot of really crazy things happened to me as a kid and I hated school. I hated school. Uh, let, let, um, let's I used take to take that back. You yeah. Sh- like, sh- like someone took their shit and threw it at you. <laughs> yeah. I was in the bathroom one day and one of the other kids goes, think fast and throws a fucking whopper at me. What location of your body did it land? Um, a shoulder. So luckily it wasn't that bad. I couldn't imagine hit me in the face. That would have been like the worst. Dude, paint this, you know, shit, shit face to a whole new level. I guess. You have to paint this picture for, for the listeners. Like, like, uh, was there anybody in the bathroom and did you just, did you get done? You know, it it was weird, man. Like it, it it was weird being picked on in school because I, I, the, the kids that picked on me, like, like they, they, he throws that at me and he comes out and he says, Jeremy tried to hit me. Like, they always made it sound like I was the bad one, like, trying to do stuff to them. So there was never, like, any recourse for me. Like, it was it was really weird. So it was always, like, I was always looked at as this kid that was causing trouble when I was actually the one that was, like, kind of merciless being being picked on. So I really didn't have anything I could do about it. So, uh, so That's rough, right? Yeah, that's really rough. It, it, <laughs> it made me hate school. It made me not want to go. It made me hope for a snow day. Um, it made me hope for, for some sort of inclimate weather or some reason that I didn't have to go. And I used to be a very loud and out there type of kid, um, always doing all these different things. And I got to be very, very quiet because in, in third grade, I, I don't know why, but the other kids decided out of nowhere I was gay. So they called me fag and they called me homo and they called me anything you can think of. They called me. So it was just like school was not fun. But because of that, it actually pushed me more to excel. So I became a very good student because that's where I could win. And I don't know if I necessarily looked at it as a competition between me and the other kids. It was more or less like that's where I could put my attention because that was something I could control. I couldn't really control all this other shit that was happening to me. So I, I hated school. I, I was very quiet through through grammar school then. Quiet in high school where I, I didn't go to prom. I didn't do a lot of those different things that people do in school because... You know, I didn't want to be around those kids. So I just had a very kind of enclosed experience. And it wasn't really till college that I came to my own because I took courses that interested me. I did different things. And it's kind of crazy. Like once everybody graduates high school, um, all the kids that kind of peaked in high school, it's all over for them. And they really look at you more on merit and what you're achieving. So for me, that was a big breaking point. But I'll tell you what, man, I still have those insecurities that I come back to all the time based on that experience as a kid. And I react to things in certain ways because I'm reliving some of those experiences. Yeah. I mean, we don't forget that stuff. That's the, no, especially as a kid, man. That's the thing is, um, a lot of us, uh, we, we have these negative experiences and it's the difference of taking these experiences and actually using them as a, as a leverage to your strength. And, uh, you know, I hear, I hear the, the shit story and I, I hear the, <laughs> I got the shit under the stick. Yeah. Man. <laughs> and, and it's not to make fun of it at all. It's just realizing that, um, you know, yes, we need to make fun of it a little bit to get over it, but at the same time going like, what can I really do with it? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, though. I feel like a little bit of, of that was the insecurity of, of, you know, looking for something like, you know, these fuckers aren't ever going to mess with me again because I'll be a brick shithouse. So I, I think there was a little bit of that in it because I'm, I'm a little guy, man. I'm, I'm 5'7". I graduated high school at 
um, gosh, 119 pounds. So I was never really that big. And, um, it's funny though, cause within, within two years I was 175. No. <laughs> so it's, it's kind no. of like, and, uh, if you really so commit to something, you can make it happen. School, but I think a lot of that was motivated by the fact that you know, like, these fuckers aren't going to mess with me it? again. Yeah, well, I was an only child too. You know what I mean. So you 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 kind of learn to do things on your own, and I'll tell you what I feel like that's why I'm not as good at teamwork as I could be now. Um, you know, a lot of times I try to do things myself. I try to. I, I'm not great at delegating because I've never had to delegate my whole life. You know, there was never a sibling to deal with things. There was never a lot of these different things. But there's also the flip side to that too of, of being an only child where you get spoiled a little bit. I got a lot of things other kids didn't get. So it, it's kind of an interesting, I guess, experience in a way. Do you kind of wish that you had siblings growing up or do you are you cool with everything that went down as far as growing up by yourself? Well, I'll tell you what, man. Like, I, I, You can't go back and change it. Like, It may, may have been interesting to, to, be, to have a sibling but I, I think also, like, if I did, I probably would have stayed in public school. And at that point, that ultimatum would have had to come through that they had to put me on some sort of drug. You know, luckily, I've never been on any um, because my parents probably wouldn't have been able to afford to put me in, in private school because they could barely afford it doing it if I had a sibling. So I, I think in that way, it was good for me, um, though you do learn a lot more social skills and social cues and things like that by having a sibling. So, you know, you look at your life experience and you, I, I feel like a lot of us, we go back and we regret things when really you just have to look at it and say, how can I be grateful for that? And how does that form part of my superpower? Because for me, the fact that I have the attention span of an ant um, really to me is my superpower because I'm able to do a lot more things. <laughs> I've never ever heard anybody go, I have the attention span of an ant. I, I do, man. It's, I guess Ant-Man, but yeah, it's a very, very short attention so span. So with your ADHD, um, I know that I, I have it. Uh, a lot of us battle with ADHD. I don't know if there's that many people who have a, an incredible amount of focus, um, but that's okay. How do you, uh, or what was your first like experience with ADHD? How did you come to find out like I have ADHD? Other than well, I, I never got a medical diagnosis. Okay, so you, yeah, and, and I never really got a medical. Oh, I'm sorry, we got a little bit of a lag here, so I, I apologize for speaking over you. No, you're fine. You're fine. Uh, so with the ADHD, then, um, for a lot of us. Um, sometimes I think our parents just tell us, Hey, we have ADHD or the tear, the teachers just diagnose us with it. Even though we've never gone to, you've never gone to therapy. Have you? No, nah, I've never, never been to therapy never of any kind. Th- though I couldn't sit still. I, I was standing on desks. Like, you know, it, 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 I, I'm, I'm sure somebody would have diagnosed me with something, um, at that point in time. You are a guest today because you have dealt though with a lot of mental battles. It sounds like it, at least. I mean, kids throwing shit at you, uh, being so alone, uh, realizing that... I mean, there's not many people that go, I'm going to be so good at school that when other kids make fun of me or something like that, I'm not going to have to worry about my future because I'm going to be so good at this school thing that uh, I've always got that as sort of like a a bed to fall back on. And that's what I'm interpreting it as. And so, with that being said, um, what, 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 I mean, really, what is it that, like, uh, makes you during your day, when you have those negative thoughts, like, I can't do this, I don't want to do this, uh, I don't, I don't feel like doing this, you know, emotions, too, they play tricks on us, um, what are those things that you do to just get over those little mental barriers, well, I think a lot of times we tend to introvert a lot. Like, like if we're working on something for a really long time, we start to look in, we start to, you know, think about, oh man, I suck. Da, 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 da. So for me, it's just getting my attention out. So I'll go for a walk. I'll, I'll notice specific things in my environment. Um, things like that. Because if, if you're kind of one way flowing too long, looking at a computer screen or, or, or something like that, you, you're going to get down eventually anyway. And, and it's, it's funny too, because I, I know even for myself, um, I don't know when I when I react to something right away. I know I have to kind of just chill before I'm going to react to it, um, especially in writing emails because I feel like in writing emails I will rip people a new one um, if I'm pissed. 
And usually I have to wait before I write that email or have somebody else tone me down. Um, I usually my wife will tone me down before I write an extreme email. I'm like, you know, I just wrote this. I'm, I'm kind of considering not sending it. You want to take a look at it? And she'll be like, oh, you can't say that to somebody. Um, so so it, it's it's kind of, I guess, giving ourselves some time to think it over. Well, not really think it over, but take our attention off of it so we don't make a snap decision. But also noticing our environment and not trying to look inward too much, man. Because you could you can go crazy trying to think about, well, why am I doing this? What's the motivation behind, you know, why I'm feeling this way? And it's just, I, I don't know, man. I'm not, I'm not the mushy type. So it's kind of put my attention outward and look at my environment and realize that, you know, that shit's just, it's not me. You know what I mean? Me is the one that can create things and produce things. All this other stuff is just baggage I've picked up over the years. So you got to just learn to ignore it. No, I and I want to take a little bit of a left turn and ask you. Um, I mean, so I heard a story about you and your father and how you you quit your job. You were a history teacher, right? Yeah, yeah. About that a little bit. You were a history teacher. Yeah, I was a I was a history teacher. Um, and I, I guess to really make this make sense, you got to go a little further back. Um, nineteen years old, I was playing football. I was playing cornerback. I was backpedaling stepped in a drain and my cleat got stuck and I did a full body rotation and my knee sounded like a machine gun going off. Um, so I tore three major ligaments in my knee. And um, at that point in time, I said, yeah, they give you like an arthroscopic knee surgery, which is pretty easy unless you're Tom Brady. Um, and then it gets infected and like a little bitch, you have to sit out another season. But um, anyway, so I had the surgery and they screwed up the anesthesia. And um, I had lung damage. I had my left lung collapsed and my right lung overexpanded. So anytime I'm swimming, I actually have a ton of trouble still breathing because I have so much lung damage. I only have about um, 60% capacity in my left lung. So um, I was having this surgery and because of the anesthesia, I actually couldn't stay conscious. I kept passing out, waking up, passing out, waking up. They brought in a heart specialist. They brought in a lung specialist. They couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. And then I just... I was unconscious so often, um, I had kind of this out-of-body experience where I was in the room, observing the room, they brought in a priest, gave me last rites, um, they told my parents they don't know why, you know, we don't know why, but it looks like he's dying, and three days in, I just woke up and was fine, and they were just like totally stumped, and they're like, okay, this doesn't make any sense, so that was at 19, and then at 25, 24 actually, my mom had a massive stroke and lost control of the right side of her body oh god um she only has one eye that works Ugh. and uh lost all of her language skills so she can't really communicate out though she can take communication in oh, so god. at that point in time um i kind of realized the mortality of life though i should have at 19 right but it, i didn't um and it kind of made me look at my life and be like dude what are you doing you're, you're not going to change the world doing what you're doing you're miserable every night and I was just looking for any opportunity I could find, just something. Like, you could have showed me a way to make money selling garbage, and I probably would have jumped on that. I needed something in my life to do it. So my wife was approached about a network marketing opportunity, which I hadn't seen before. So they showed me this presentation. They're like, you get two people, they get two people, they get two people. And next thing you know, you guys make a million bucks. I'm like, oh, dude, next month, I'm going to be rich. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I called school. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm going to be resigning my job. I will not be coming back next year. This was in June. And uh, I'm, I'm mowing the lawn that afternoon at my parents' house. And my dad gets home from work and he goes, what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, you fucking quit your job. What's wrong with you? I go, oh, well, you know, I wasn't really feeling my purpose in it. I wasn't really happy. And, I, you know, I was like, I want to create my own life. And he goes, good luck with that, buddy. Because, um, like I said, my dad was somebody that he had to work for every single thing he got. And he has a lot of success now. But for him, the, the thing is, you get into a place, stay there for 40 years, and eventually maybe they give you a watch or something when, when you retire. But, you know, that wasn't really going to be the case for me. It, it wasn't something that was in the cards. So that was the conversation I had with him, and it was kind of a motivating factor for a lot of things I did. I was kind of like, well, I'm going to show him. Um, yeah, so that, that's kind of where that came from. Wow. Dude, that is uh, – I mean, all right. Well, one thing that's popping up for me that I really see is um, would I be wrong in saying that you get very obsessed with things? Yeah, yeah. Like you have a yeah, very addictive personality. I I do, and it's it's funny. Um, I haven't really talked about this before. I come from a very long line of very successful alcoholics. Not in, not in the good way. Um, they were very very good at drinking. Um, so so uh, luckily I wasn't somebody that uh, 
you know, had had an issue with that. Um, but I've channeled that in other ways. I get obsessed with work. I get obsessed with projects, and it's it's like not good. It's like it's it's like really not good. Like um, last night, I ended up going to the city to see um, one of my guests um, play play a show, and he introduced me to uh, one of the founding members of the Almond Brothers, which is really freaking cool. So I'm going to be interviewing that guy. Um, but I get home, and it's like you know one o'clock, and I'm like, all right, more work to do. So I get home, I start working on. Uh, a podcast I'm working on for a doctor and all this other stuff. Next thing I know, it's two o'clock and I'm like, wow, I really need to go to bed. Um, and I'm a pretty early riser. So, you know, it's, you wake up the next morning, you're like, dude, I can't move. So it, it's, I do get obsessed with projects. Like Legos was the worst as, as a kid. I, I built a, a five font, a five foot long scale model of the Titanic that actually floated, um, in my parents' swimming pool. So I, I, I could get on something and just work on it for like days I think a lot of people don't talk about this is first of all it makes me just laugh about the idea of you building a Lego set that's the size of Titanic um <laughs> but secondly I want to talk about this thing of of people that are entrepreneurs like yourself who get super obsessed with things and then and then the hardest part is not listening to these uh I don't know, Grant Cardones and listening to these um, oh, I these, do. I do listen to Grant, though. The, I do everything he says to do. <laughs> well, no, I mean, yeah, and you sh- and you should. But at the same time, uh, I bet that fear of being like, when is it actually enough? To where I don't like because so this isn't sustainable forever. No, you know? it isn't. You can't work like that forever. And here's one of the problems with that is when you have a moment where you're sitting there like not doing anything, you're like, shit, I need to be doing something. I need to be doing something. I need to be doing something. So like if I ever go to the beach, I hate it. Like my wife loves it. I hate it because I'm like, I can't sit here. I can't sit still. I need to move. I need to move. I need to move. So it's like you, you have this like fidgetiness that you need to be like doing something all the time. Yeah. I have you can't just like chill and be like, okay, let's just let's just be here. That's, that sounds cool. So, uh, I have the same problem. I've got an I've got I've got an exercise bike at home, and I was having my dad take me to the gym every day, not to even go and like work out while he was at work. It was just to just move, just move. And and I uh, I think a lot of us nowadays um, that battle with mental illnesses uh, often if we're not moving, we're not doing something. That's when we fall into depression. Well, because the natural state of a being is to be in action. Like when we're just sitting there doing nothing, like that's that's actually not natural for us as as beings. Yeah, no, I've heard the same thing. It's like our bodies were built to move miles and miles and miles and to migrate for, you know, walk ten thousand miles. And and a lot of kids just sit behind their computer, just staring at the screen. And their brain is going somewhere, but their body isn't going anywhere with them. And, um, I mean, our, but I think now we got to flip the other side of the coin and go, when is it too much? Like, I mean, do you have a definition every single day and go, I will go to sleep after I complete this or you person who just kind of adds onto the list? Oh, I just add onto the list, man. You should see this thing. It's like a mile freaking long. It's like, all right, I got that done. I got that done. I got that done. Oh, but I missed all this shit. I need more shit. So it's, it's. My 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 lists are, are forever running long, and it's it's actually like not a good thing. So all right, let's attack this. So how do you deal with this? Do you ever? I mean, is meditation a, th- a thing for you, or is that just like bullshit? No, nah, it's not. It's, it's to me. To me, it's just kind of a. I don't want to insult anybody, but for me, it's just more of a a bullshit thing. Yeah, I mean, I've one of my favorite quotes is meditation is um, staying awake with your eyes closed. Still, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> staring, staring at the inside of your eyelids, and um, it's it's true for some. And and um, I don't know. In undergrad, we did a ten minutes of stillness exercise where we had to just sit still for ten minutes, and it is a true art. Like, to just sit still for 10 minutes is an art. Um, because when you have this go, 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 go mind, anybody who has ADHD has no problem moving around. It's the people <laughs> that um, have these crazy thoughts that keep going and keep going and keep going. And I think those are the thoughts that I get scared about, is these thoughts about... Um, 
You know, let's talk. One thing I want to do on this show is always bring up fears. Like, it's deep fear. Like, um, for me, I could say a fear is I'm really afraid that all this mm. work won't even amount to anything. Well, here's the, mine's, mine's simpler than that. And you, you've known me for a little bit. Let's, let's see if you can guess what my biggest fear is. You know, something I, I'm always thinking. I think your fear is to not have a true uh, impact on someone to make them actually take an action to make their life better. But even mm. on top of that, anybody that deals with drug abuse, you probably have a very um, huge, huge uh, way of compassion for them. There, there's some of that, but actually it's way simpler than that. I want everybody to like me. I, I, it, people didn't like me for so long that I want everybody to like me, everybody to appreciate me and everybody like to want me around. So it's actually that simple. I want everybody to like me. That's the biggest thing I struggle with on a daily basis. And here's the thing though, man, like that's something that's like not a good idea to do. And the reason is because you'll make bad decision based on, Oh, I want that person to like me. And one of the rules I try to live my life by is to, um, not seek to be liked or admired. And the reason I say that is because, you know, as I said, it's a struggle. It's something you're trying to, to keep going every day. But the reason you have to think about that is you're going to make decisions based on what other people want for you. And I'll tell you what, man, when you're living your life for other people, it sucks. It's like not fun. And I've, I've been there and I, I've kind of been in that place where it was like, all right, well, my parents want to be teachers. I guess I'll be a teacher. I don't know what the hell I want to do in my own life. So let's just do this. And it wasn't until like, you know, really going through a bunch of stuff and figuring out what I wanted to do that I actually found that. So it's, it's really interesting in that way. What's a story you could tell recently that you had where you totally, all right, dude, you got to be totally honest with this one, where you totally lied about the thoughts that you actually wanted to say and instead you just please the hell out of the person it's not really the see it, it's 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 less in that way than you think i never i never i'm never going to outwardly lie because that's just against my own personal code of ethics um but i a lot of times hold back from saying what i really think because i'm like oh this person's gonna be pissed um so i i usually i'll, I'll temper certain things based on based on an environment because like i don't want to upset people man like that's not fun to deal with so you know, it's it's it sucks because at times, and this is something I struggled with when I was younger, like where I was saying I was just trying to be the quiet person, you forget who you are because you're like, oh, well, I need to appear this way for this person, I need to appear this way for this person. And the, the crazy part about it is when you're trying to be everything for everyone, you're nothing for yourself. Um, and it, it's just, it's really interesting. I'm, I'm reading um, James Altucher's book right now, Choose Yourself. I don't know if, have you read that one? I have. It. I just I just right picked up the audio, so I, I I love audiobooks, and he reads it. So he just has this crazy way of delivering that you're like, wow, he's a funny dude. Um, but um, it's really interesting that unless to, to for him, he found all these failures and all these different things that happened to him until he could decide to choose himself. And he was talking about uh, he this this morning I listened to him talking about this this story about Gandhi, where they said to Gandhi, Gandhi, you don't really have enough time to to meditate an hour a day. And he goes, oh, well, I do not have enough time. Then I must meditate two hours a day, and that'll handle the problem. So I, I think it's, it's really interesting that you do have to kind of choose yourself a little bit to be able to do all these other things. And I kind of learned it through the, the school of hard knocks, man. You, you hit yourself, your head against the wall enough times not doing what you like. Yeah, uh, but it's so hard to tell someone that's starting out in anything uh, to go, you know, hey, just go. And choose yourself. Do your own thing. I mean, if you tell a person that just wants an answer for something, like if, if for example, it, when you're, I don't, have you ever like had like huge amounts of depression during the day, like where you just want an answer, you just want someone to shake you and say, "Do this." Oh yeah. And so I think you're, 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 you're for example, like you follow Grant Cardone, yeah. like you want, you want to emulate him. Oh, I'm sure, but I also failed. have you my own get, self in that, and I think a lot of people forget about that. You know, it was all a trial and error, and falling on your face and getting shit thrown at you. I mean, I don't know, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but with with 
Uh, with that being said, yeah, literally, uh, one thing that I realize is um, <laughs> that uh, when you're all by yourself and you're by yourself, I mean, it, you have to do some sort of r- r- uh, ritual to get yourself to go, hey, I- I've got to be confident about this sh- this shit. I got to be confident about the place that I'm about to go to, and I'm being a little metaphorical, but it's like going into the um, it's like going to the battlefield every single day that you sit down in front of your computer and you're trying to email a bunch of people and you're trying to get something put together for your business. It becomes uh, really hard to just not want to copy everybody and take what they're doing and and be like, all right, I can just I can just copy what they're doing. They're successful, but rather like choose yourself, like you're saying. Um, is it? It gets it gets hard because you forget what you is because there's there's you know thirty million Gary V's out there instead of just one Gary V because everybody's like oh he wants to hustle I'm gonna hustle I'm gonna work eighteen hours a day I'm gonna say shit like he would say and people forget who they are because they haven't been them in so long you, you understand what I'm saying like it becomes very difficult that we're trying to emulate so many of these people um you you, you know what I mean like people can't let Drake be Drake they got to try and be Drake too. It's it's ridiculous. The thing is, though, is that what I'm dealing with right now, uh, and I think a lot of listeners would be dealing with, is um, the ability to actually put away their phone, put away the computer, and just fucking be themselves in some way, like... Find find that one thing that you like to do as a kid, and maybe try to recreate that instead of going. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna take I'm gonna take what uh, what Drake's doing, and I'm just gonna copy it. Because when you try to do that, and then it doesn't turn out well, I don't know about you, but I get really down on myself. I feel like I'm a failure. I suck. I I'm not I'm not good at this. I just just quit. Um, but. To, uh, here's the thing. I love it when um, people like do mimic people at first because you, you know you're not, that's how we learn as kids, right? That's our way of learning is we find the way people talk and we learn words through mimicry. But then you gotta like let go of that at some point. And I don't know what's your what's your opinion on letting go of trying to be like everybody else and just actually making your own thing it's, work. I, I'll tell you what. I don't know if I really have an opinion on that just because it's it's so difficult. It, it's really difficult to just kind of drop that. It's 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 tough to to kind of you know look at our environment and how we were raised, and that's why like people in different cultures are so different, right? Because they were raised hearing people communicate in a certain way. They they were raised you know being around certain people. So I think like that's really hard because for a lot of us that's like hardwired in, man. So I, I feel like to a certain point it's difficult, but I feel like also. When you're trying to, it's it's such a catch twenty two because I feel like when you're actively trying to not be like somebody else, you're 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 rather than being yourself, you're trying to like not be. So it make, just makes it really it, it it that's such such a tough place to be in. And this is exactly why I want to do this show. This is exactly why you're here today is to talk about this paradox of like when you actually shoot for oftentimes with these self-help books and shit, you try to be like the best motherfucking self-helper in the world and you fall short of being happy yourself because you're trying to meditate all the time. You're trying to, uh, you're trying to listen to this guy talk about the, the, the habits and you think that every single habit that you do has the amount to the perfect amount of success. Right. And yeah, it, like, I mean, for you, for example, uh, you can't even go to the beach anymore and just spend 20 minutes. Like, 20 minutes yeah, freak is, out. is like freaking out for you because you don't think you're making the right choices that will lead up to success for you, or you don't think you'll be making the right choices to later when that opportunity comes up to having someone fall in love with you and want to be like you and maybe emulate everything that you do because you love the feeling of being loved all of a sudden. When is it just uh, a huge question comes up is, when am I just going to be okay with this is enough? Yeah, it's, it's, it's so tough. You know, it really is. 
And I, I think that for me, it wasn't something I learned until I got past 30. You, you know what I mean? I feel like you look at life a lot different um, in, in your 20s because you, you feel like you're invincible and you get some life experience. You get to experience other people. You get to see how people communicate. You get to see like what their actions bring upon them, what their beingness brings upon them. And it really, I think for most, for, for, for those of us that are aware enough to see it, you start to naturally just drop those things and just be more you. Um, because there's, there's just so many things we pick up from other people. And unless you can just drop that and get rid of it and, you know, control alt delete, you're not going to be able to, to kind of move on for that. But I think it's more of an awareness that you, you develop over time, but also, you know, as, an awareness you develop for actually like handling yourself as a spiritual being because that you know that's that's really what we are we're, we're spiritual beings you know riding around in meat suits so it, it's it's like when you when you don't address that it's when you really start to, to look at all these different things what is a what is a personal thing that goes through your head when you feel like you literally wasted the entire day Fuck that that that's about it. That's about all that goes through my head. <laughs> so I mean, all right. Have you ever just so uh, you're a habits man, right? You love habits, somewhat. No, so, somewhat, somewhat, somewhat. Okay. Um, what about this? What what sort of uh, what sort of anxiety do you feel? Like what kind of feeling? I don't want to say fear or anger, but what kind of feeling exactly happens to you, Jeremy, when all of a sudden you know that you just sent out 2,700 emails and that still wasn't enough? I don't know. I'd actually be kind of impressed. 2,700 emails is a lot of emails. So if I sent out that many, I'd be like, dude, look at that shit you just did. That's pretty cool. But um, So... <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So all right, all right. How about how about a hundred emails? That's Okay. Okay. Um well here, here here's the thing. Like for, for me, okay, we talked about that story where I went full time into network marketing, not really knowing what it is, not really knowing how to make money. Um not too far into that journey, the uh paychecks from the school stopped and uh reality kinda hit and I put everything on credit cards and I remember this at one point in time. Um, I, w- I was still living at my parents' house. I was ha- had put $12,000 on the credit cards. I had no money. And I, I had built this like little basement office in their-, in their house. And I'm just sitting there staring at the wall going, fuck, I am so fucked. Like, what am I going to do? Like, wh- how am I going to make money? I got to like, I got to get a job. I got to, I got to do something. I just, that for me was a really scary place to be in. Yeah, of course. I mean, the uncertainty. It's, yeah, it's totally. Uncertainty. I mean, it's the one thing that a lot of us uh, struggle with is is just being able to go forward because, well, you're not sure where it'll go. Um, dude, let's take it back to. Do you have any? Do you have any other fears other than just wanting to be liked? I, I'll tell you what, man. I feel like that's the biggest one because that's just the one that holds me back. Um, there's others that maybe they're like too inborn i'm just not aware enough to see him but you know that that may be about it um what about food what's your relationship with food are you uh overeater are you undereater? uh do you food food is a tool um reason being um when i wrestled in school um I, I it was really tough to like make weight, so I wrestled one nineteens um but if I ate like a normal human being, I should be like hundred and fifty pounds so um it was really, really difficult for me. So I actually, uh, for probably about two years, I was bulimic. I used to sit and binge on everything you can humanly imagine. I'd sit there and drink an entire like two liter bottle of soda, eat a whole bag of chips and then go throw up. So like that was really, that was really tough to deal with. Um, and I feel like because of that, I've never since like really had a totally a hundred percent normal, um, relationship with food. Um, I've just kind of seen it more as a tool to help me help me be fit and help me take care of my body um, because for a period of time it was such a big problem for me um, that I kind of just like not is this this whole thing. So uh, so you would actually eat chips 
and then go. I, I would eat everything, man. I would eat like disgusting amounts of things. Like that, that's what you do when you're bulimic. You like eat way too much, and then you go hope nobody sees you and go throw up somewhere. Do you uh, do you remember any instances where someone maybe questioned you about, hey, hey, Jeremy, where'd you go? Like, were you just in the bathroom, or did you were you really good at? I I I actually. As ridiculous as it sounds, I was actually really good at it. Nobody, nobody ever caught me until I realized, hey, this, this like isn't normal. Like you don't look good. Like you, you actually look like a walking skeleton. So I kind of took responsibility for myself and just started eating better and started working out and everything else. Um, but it, I, I somehow hit it well enough that I just never got caught. See, this is what scares me about people that are just really good at getting good at things. Like yourself, you're a guy who just, mm. you find something that you want and you go and you chase it, right? And it's the same thing yeah. with negative things too, like bulimia. Some people uh, that are really, like athletes, I mean, they talk about it all the time, but they don't actually find a system until it's too late. I mean, it doesn't sound, uh, do you mind if I ask you if you're currently still doing this? Bulimia. Sure, what's that? No, I haven't done that in, okay. since I was like seventeen. A lot of a lot of these athletes, though, they wait until it's way too late. Like they wait until their teeth are falling out, or they've got problems with the. the I mean, metabolism—the damage that you do for that—it's it's a true thing, man. And once you screw up your metabolism of of throwing calories in there and then going and puking them up, I mean, I I got very lucky that I didn't that I luckily didn't do any damage to my body. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, though, is that uh, I'll just be honest with you. Right now, I eat two meals a day. I don't like eat, I don't like eating throughout the day. Mm. I just hate it. It's not fun for me. I just every time I eat, I'm just tired right afterwards. Even if it's a good uh, nutrient dense meal, I'm very I'm a health conscious guy. But then I just feel tired, and so at the very end of the night, about an hour or two before I go to sleep, I'll just eat for like an hour or two straight. And sometimes I have this habit of just eating so much until I'm full and tumble. And um, I mean, think about when you were eating. uh, It's it's literally if you get like an endorphin rush off of being full, like you you feel better by slamming down more food. And you actually well, and you you just feel sick as anything, yeah. man. Like you 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 eat you literally eat yourself sick. Where you're like, God, I feel so atrocious. Oh, I need to go throw up. Like you know what I mean? It's like you've almost in your mind justified that this isn't a problem. I literally just ate so much. I need to throw up. Well, exactly. And then also, will you have you ever done this where you'll actually eat? you know, one more scoop of ice cream or something or whatever it is that you're eating at the time because you know that in ten minutes you'll just puke it up anyway. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there's been there's been that moment. It's weird though. It's the weird part about it is it was usually like intense amounts of carbs. I don't know why. Like it was like, oh, I'm gonna sit down and like not like have a like a, a slice of bread. I'm gonna sit down and have two loaves of bread. Like it was like stupid shit like that. Like it was it was insane. Like oh, let me have two boxes of of cooked macaroni. That sounds great. It was always like this really weird stuff. Um, it was never like it wasn't ice cream. It wasn't stuff like that. It was. It was like, you know, you go to Costco and you can get like those bags of popcorn chicken that are like 10 pounds. It's like, oh, instead of having a couple pieces of popcorn chicken, let's have the whole damn bag. Like it was like that. It, it was kind of this total lack of control on it. So uh, did you ever see yourself just spending godly amounts of money on food even though that you didn't need it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And this is why I think it is so hard to actually... Uh, break that habit is because when you find yourself doing a normal routine of the eating that actually sometimes lends itself to your success in a weird way right Mm -hmm. like i worked really hard and now i'll reward myself later with food that's when it becomes a problem i mean i yeah i've i've never gotten into that like i said it was more like a oh my god i need this type of thing It, it it wasn't really i never rewarded myself with food it was more of um. Yeah, well, it wasn't really that. It was just more of this, like this, like manic thing I did. 
Yeah, because, well, you need him to do what? To make weight or to use it as a tool? Oh, making weight was rough too, man. Like, like, like coaches have like have no idea like what they did to kids by doing that. Like, somebody make weight, you have to wear a sweatsuit and spit in a cup all day around school, or they stick you in the boiler room. Or one day we had a, a coach drove the followed the bus in his own car with the wrestler in the car with the heat all the way up in his car and the kid in a sweatsuit. So they were like hot boxing the car following the bus. And I remember we stopped at this red light the one time. We get out and the guy's in like gym shorts and that's it, driving the car because he was so hot trying to drive this kid to the match. And it's just like, it's like, how is that normal or okay? You know what I mean? Like how, how is that like okay to treat somebody like that? Or to, to have to, to, to need to lose weight that much um, to make a wrestling weight. Like it's a little bit crazy because everybody's trying to say so, so low so they can be stronger than the next guy. Um, because you know, if, if you're just so dehydrated that you should usually be 150 pounds and you're 140, you're not going to have any strength at that point, man. You're going to get cramps. You're going to get hurt. Like, it's just like, you look back on it and you're like, God, why did we do that shit? And that's what ticks me off is that there's a, there's actually a more efficient way to do it, to hold your strength, to actually lose weight at a, like it, that's the fucking problem with ADHD because it does lead to ADHD leads to what impulsive results. When you don't have impulsive results, all of a sudden you think you're doing it wrong. And when you think you're doing it wrong, you listen to external coaches and you pick the wrong people to listen to. And uh, I mean, it's not like we can go out to every high school and, and interview people and be like, "Hey, um, would you do this to your your student?" And ask them, would, have you ever put them in a sweatsuit? And sometimes the kids, too, they leave high school thinking that that's the only way to do it. Yeah. You know, and that's the only way to lose weight is put on a sweatsuit, to spit in a cup, to, you know, go to Thanksgiving, eat a bunch of food, and then puke it out when you're done. And, I, I, I mean, it leads to not just that, but leads to really bad relationships with your self as far as your body image do you have any body image issues no it's never really been an issue for me just because like i said like um i kind of made that decision at like 15 16 like i'm gonna be fucking huge and i don't know just for me it was always fine um it's a challenge to buy clothes um because i'm short and stocky so um i always have to get like shirts that are short enough because my ass looks like it's a tumor um but it's actually just that big. Um, so it's, it, you know what I mean? So it's, it's never really been body issue, uh, body image issues, just more like um, trouble shopping. That, that's about it. I have the same problem. Well, I used to have the same problem. Uh, not so much as, you know, I don't have a badonkadonk anymore. <laughs> I, I did. I know it's like, and that too is, I, I mean... It just sounds like you're very sure of yourself and you never got that embarrassed. But a lot of people are very embarrassed when they can't find clothing that fits them because they feel like now I got to special order it. And then when they special order it, uh, you know, you feel like you got to go on uh, a certain website that literally just. Well, here's here's the thing, though, like normal, like short stocky guys. We're in style now. So like uh, if I go to like Marshall's or TJ Maxx or something like that, I have a significantly easier time buying clothes than I used to um, because they actually cut the shirts shorter and stuff like that. I don't know why. They just do. Um, I I skateboarded a lot and I played drums for a number of years. So like I used to wear a lot of skater clothes and stuff like that when I was younger. And those things are like they're really big, like they're really long. So everything look like a a dress. You know what I mean? So it's I I think it's we've gotten kind of lucky to be uh, short and stocky now as we're somewhat in style. (laughs) <laughs> really well and i want to get to some shame and secrets i call it um what, what was the last time you felt just shame for actually you know saying your opinion on something or shame about just being who you are and then feeling like you need to completely change yourself to make this person in the room feel better Wow, I, I I'll be honest with you, man. I can't think of anything, and maybe I, maybe I blocked it out. I don't know, but I, I honestly can't think of anything at this point in time. So I kind of apologize for. No, that's fine. What about um, what about uh, maybe with your wife? 
uh, is there any problems with maybe you telling her something that you didn't mean to say and it slipped out and after you said it, you're like, why the fuck? I, I think I? if I had to look at one thing, I'd say maybe it's more that I have a temper. Um, so like I say a lot of like really not nice shit when I get pissed. Um, so that would probably be, that would be the only thing I would say is because um, I have a little bit of a temper. And like I said, I think that comes from just being a kid that was picked on when I was younger and you kind of feel helpless at that point in time. So um, I, I would I would say that would be the only time I ever have issues with that is I just kind of say things and I'm like, oh shit, why did I say that? Um, you know, because I was pissed. And after the fact, you kind of realize like, whoa, that was a really bad idea. <sighs> what was the last moment that you actually kind of blew up on something? Do you remember it? I got really pissed at some. At, at, I was having a conversation with somebody a couple weeks ago, and I actually slammed my coffee cup against the ground and broke it. And then I was like, "Oh shit, I like that coffee cup." So it's like, you, you know what I mean? I was like, "Oh shit, I, I like that cup." Um, so I, I would say that would, would kind of be the last time. Um, usually ends up taking it out on objects um when i was a kid um i got in a fight with my parents and put my foot through a wall um and now my my parents you think they would have fixed it by now or made or you know made me pay to fix it but no now they just have this oddly placed picture walking up the steps to the, the second floor of their house um that's like two feet off the ground it's like wow why why is there a picture there that's a really odd place for a picture to be <laughs> <laughs> what all right, so one thing that just sparked my mind was uh, this idea that you're clearly a person who wants to get stuff done, right? Yeah. And when you're a person that wants to get stuff done all the time, if you don't purposely and focus on your relationships, it's really hard to keep in touch with people. Like, you're now in the business of podcasting, right, where you like to reach out to people, you like to you know, see what they're up to. But before that, take me to a time when you were disconnected to people and you were just literally in your own little world all the time. Uh, I would say it would just be high school because I feel like since we've had social media, like, you know, I'm, I'm old enough now that we didn't, we didn't have social media in high school. So, um, we had, we had MySpace, but that was weird. Um, all the weird and crazy shit people used to do on MySpace, but that that was really about it. You, you know what I mean? Like that was really about all the only time period when I would kind of keep more to myself because I feel with social media we're kind of inundated and people just even just by posting something people know what we're doing and it, it does make our social interactions a little bit weird though when we see people again, right? Because they know everything we're doing, so you see them and there's like nothing to talk about. Um, so so I think that's. It's really funny. I, I used to teach sociology in school, and one of the one of the uh, one of the lectures I gave was something on the idea of unsocial media, like the fact that we're so like quote social that we're actually unsocial. Like we see everything everybody's doing, we we observe everything that's going on, we know everything that people are doing. Um, we can make up thoughts about certain people and be pissed at them when we see them, even though in the past we probably would have had no idea what was happening in their lives. So it's really created the the idea that we're so social, but we're actually less social. You know, you sit at a table and you see everybody with their phone out and it's just it's just weird. So I I, I think as a society we've actually started to go the the other way a little too much, you know? Yeah. What's an what's a personal example for you where you've actually gone up to someone and then had nothing to talk to them really about because you knew everything about them already. It's almost like you already know everything about them as far as what they post on social media. And yeah. to, to actually, like, uh, one of the reasons why I think I actually do like listening to people just having conversations more than actually watching TV shows is because, shit, people are actually talking about stuff that no one wants to talk about. Like, like I mean, people want to, like, only put the shiny stuff out there the sort of like oh i just got married and that's what you see on social media all the time 100 true just, they just put on makeup and now they post a picture or they just got done with a workout and they haven't eaten for 14 or 16 hours so they look like they have nothing in their body and, <laughs> and finally their abs are like yeah. popping out so you see all this like grandiose things but there's such a value in seeing the process of it. Yeah. And that's what made me depressed is I actually thought that all this stuff that I was seeing from 
and and I'm not trying to call out entrepreneurs, but I'm gonna call out, you know, Ty Lopez. I'm gonna call out, fucking, uh, uh, Grant Cardone. Even sometimes, man, he puts out these ridiculous tweets about be obsessed or be a failure, and it's like, but you don't have to do that. Like, you don't. Well, I think it also depends on like what you want to achieve um ty lopez is like a like a horrible one like um like yeah i totally agree with you there um like especially like online marketers like 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 and i I guess i'll put myself somewhat in that group we're the worst with it like we're like hey you want to make thirty thousand dollars i can help you do it just join my program that also costs thirty thousand dollars and i made all this money when i was broke because i decided i could make you pay me a lot of money to teach you how to make money when i was broke so it's it's really this crazy kind of thing where the, the middle section is missing. Like the, the story of, okay, well, how'd you actually do it, man? How'd you get from point A to point B? Not like check out my Lambo that's rented. You, you know what I mean? Like a lot of those things that are just like screwed up. Have you ever, have you ever done an interview with a guest? And then, and you don't have to tell me guest because I don't want you to make enemies and I don't want them to hear this and go like, Hey, I'm never going to do anything for that guy again. But have you ever put out content where after you released it, if you, went over it and reflected on it you totally wish that you could take it back and not give it out there to to the world because well hey a it's just making people dumber or mm. b it's giving just completely impractical actions to take no that hasn't really happened to me because um if it's that bad i just don't publish it um there's there's been a couple of them that are just like yeah this isn't really gonna help anybody um so I, there's been those that if it gets to that point, I don't publish it. Okay, that's good. That's good because a lot of people, they don't care. <laughs> They'll just put it out there because, well, they made it. They had the interview. They might as well put it out there. Um, what about uh, as far as just other regrets in in your, in your business? I mean, have you ever put out anything out there that you just you realize now? That it was just utter bullshit. Um, I think the first podcast I did, it was a piece of crap. Um, I did it for like a month, and it was called "Rock Your Life," and I was a coach, and I was going to help you, and it was going to be awesome. But uh, I didn't know anything about anything, so did that for about thirty <laughs> days, and it was just, it was bad, man. It was like, I was like, what the hell is wrong with me? So there, there was that. I think that's the only thing I really regret. Um, but it's also made me, I think personally make more real content that's going to help people because I was like, this, this thing is bad. Um, the, if you Google rock your life, um, not Y O U R, but you are, you can probably still find the cover art out there, which looks really bad. I made it in Microsoft paint. Um, so, uh, yeah, there, there's that. So during that time, were you ever depressed? I mean, putting out... Yeah, because I thought I made this thing that was going to be great and it was going to change my life and I was going to go to the podcasting goldmine because I had seen like what John Lee Dumas had done, a lot of these different people, and I found out there is no goldmine. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not there. It's about the work that you're willing to put in to create something and build an audience and actually help people. And I think if you go into it with the idea of, you know, where's, where's the goal at the end of the rainbow, it's just it doesn't work like that, you know? Yeah, and that's another thing I got to talk to you about is the idea of like – you gotta be okay with once you get the actual goal accomplished to just be okay with whatever you get out of it because like the idea sometimes honestly is a better more orgasmic feeling than actually getting what you want right it's like like the idea of like maybe for you to have 300 episodes felt probably better than actually having the 300 episodes done now in a way. Well, a hundred like, was uh, like that. I, I like did. made a celebration. I'm yeah. like, I have a hundred episodes. And everybody's like, why does that matter? I'm like, because I actually did it. Like it's, it's to me, it's like, oh my gosh, I did. I hit triple digits. How cool is that? And it just, it didn't really matter to other people. But to me, it was kind of this, this inner like excitement of, oh my gosh, I did it. Look at that. And then once you got it though, like it, other people, if they didn't, that's one of my problems is when someone doesn't want to celebrate as much as I. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, like my wife. She like, wants to celebrate everything. She's like, "Oh, we woke up this morning. Let's have a party." You know, you know, it's 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 we're we're a little bit different like that. Where I'm I'm more of a, I don't know, like 
I'm not that fun, I, I guess. I, I'd let, rather go figure out a very complicated issue. I loved logic in school. Um, whereas as she would just go rather have a party and eat cake, you know? Just not me, I guess. No, it's not to celebrate everything. <laughs> I didn't mean to say that. I'm more so, so like, I'm on that plane of going, okay, I finally got this thing being XYZ, which is, I don't know, like right now for me, I'm working on this podcast. And for me to actually just be okay with however it turns out and just say, fuck it. Like, I'm going to hope that someone out there listens to a story that has dealt with mental illness and, and to hear someone else's story and go, hey, I'm not the only one. Because that's what we feel like all the time with mental illness is we always feel like these negative thoughts that we have are the only thing that's going on in our life and the only thing that matters. But like you said earlier, when you look outside of yourselves and you look at the bigger grand grand scheme of things, what's something that has allowed you to trigger that sort of uh, intellect in you to go, I need to look outside of things right now. And not just be so introspective and not be so inside of myself, but rather go, ah, all right, let's take a minute and just look outside of ourselves. Well, because for me, it's that thing of you, you're always like, well, when I get successful, I will. Or when I get get there, I will. Or when I la 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 la, I will. And I think a lot of times that like when we're, we're resting happiness on this this thing that could or could never come. I, I think that's a huge problem. So once I learned to stop doing that and looking at it that way, you know, I was really able to, 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 to do what I really needed to do in that way, you know? What is a way for you to actually, like, for me, dude, after listening to you, like, there's, like, very little peace in your life. I know, and I'm not trying to, like, make you, like, a Deepak Chopra, like, lover or anything yeah, yeah. like that, but... It does seem like uh, this uh, constant need to f- f- keep going forward and forward and forward and forward. But like, when is there any chance that maybe you'll just feel at peace doing nothing? Yeah, I, I don't really know, man. Because I just, like I said, I like action a lot. Um, I, I, I guess it's just something I'll, I'll kind of learn through my life experience, but I haven't really found it yet. Would you ever want peace? Yeah, of course. I think we all do. You know, we, we would all like to, to find that. Um, but for me, I just, I, I don't think I've quite found it yet. And that's okay. Yeah. You're in a time in your life where I feel like uh, the one thing that a lot of people, uh, I myself, the only time I really feel down is just when I know I'm not working on what I want to do overall. Yeah. Like the, the the true sign of, of depression, I think, is really, uh, and I hate throwing it around, but to, to not really work on your passion or work on your why, like, and to find out that that why is usually done with a lot of hardship and failure and tripping up on your own shoes and like for you, for example, to just actually uh, find out that teaching history was not for you and to actually have that conversation with your dad and say like hey i'm gonna choose my own life like for you to go against that idea especially when your dad is such a huge part of your life um it's it's not like pulling out teeth but it's like pulling out your heart and then going like hey take this and because you're you're taking somebody else's belief system and you're crushing it you you know what i mean so that's just just a very it's it's really difficult to break that mold. It really is, and I think that's why so many of us struggle so hard with it. Yeah. So any of you guys right now listening right now, just know that you're not alone. You're going to have shit throwing at you. Sometimes literally. Well, you could. Sometimes literally, like Jeremy. And if you do, don't feel like the smelly kid and leave it on your shoulder, but... Take action, remove it, get better at something else that you really love, speak out, talk about your problems, write about your problems, don't just live with them inside your head, 
because even your addictions can be your strength. And I want to say thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Dude, where can we connect with you? Best place to find everything going on with me is over at www.jeremyryanslate.com, and they can find all my social links and everything else out there. My handle on every platform is at Jeremy Ryan Slate, and I don't do that because I'm egotistical. I do that because there is also another guy from New Jersey with the same name but a different middle name, so that's the reason I do it. And one last thing. How can other people take part of their super weakness and turn it into a super strength. Hmm. I I would really take a look at that and see how you can use it for other people. Cause once you kind of get out of your, your own way and realize like, like how can I use this, you know, quote unquote weakness for me to, to be a strength. Like I was on a podcast yesterday with a girl that has cerebral palsy and she said that people look at a lot of what she does um, as so admirable. So she uses the fact that people really want to look up to her as this way to to inspire other people. So I think you have to realize, like, once you can get outside of yourself and, and look at others, it really makes a big difference. Well, there you go, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in for an episode of Scratch Your Own Itch Podcast, where our guests come from all different walks of life, from creative artists, entrepreneurs, to just people that are average, that are friends. But it's okay to be average. Why? Because we all have that itch that we need to scratch, that once we believe goes away, comes back even stronger once again. My takeaways from this interview with Jeremy Ryan Slade are his relationships with how he looks at himself, his obsession to his work, his history with bulimia, his relationship with wanting to be liked all the time, his history with trying to buy clothes that fit right. If you guys don't relate with any of this stuff, then I don't know what kind of audience I have, but I bet you do. I really do because these are such qualities that are in us all. And I call them qualities because they're relatable. And when you relate, you feel that much more connected. So please, if you guys enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. And if you think that any of these little tidbits of value can be shared, please do and share them. And please don't be shy. Get some help. Whether you're connecting with me, whether you're connecting with a professional therapist, I just want you all to know that you matter. So guys, go out there and be amazing because I know you all are. 